Bible tonight to Genesis chapter 6. We're actually going to look at two different texts tonight, but Genesis 6 is our main text. And you can hold your place there in Genesis 6, and then you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Genesis chapter 6 is the first text. That's our main text tonight, but we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 13. So hold your place in Genesis 6, and then go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So this is our third time in Rapid City. I I told you a second ago I was going to tell you about our previous trip. So the first time we came out, March of 2019, uh, we actually, the video you saw, we filmed over in, uh, in North Platte, Nebraska. We flew into Denver, drove to North Platte, filmed our video, then drove up to Rapid City, spent a couple of days with the family, and then drove back to Denver to fly back to the East Coast. The second time we came out here was in March. So when COVID hit, we obviously had a lot of cancellations, just like every missionary did. So we were trying to figure out what we were going to do. We figured, well, hey, let's just go spend some time with some family. So we were actually all the way in Delaware and we decided to go ahead and hit the road and drive all the way to Rapid City. So it was about 24 hours one way. Uh, we, didn't, we stopped at a rest area for like three hours to sleep. But during that time, things were still kind of uncertain here at the base at Ellsworth. And so Jonathan and Kayla said, just come on out. And so we made our way. Well, we got probably maybe two and a half hours away. It was just uh, west of Mitchell. And, uh, and they called us and said that the commander had shut the base down. So we had gotten 21 hours all the way to, towards Rapid City, and then we found out that we couldn't get on base. And I, Jonathan told him, he, he said to the commander, he said, listen, they're church planners, but it didn't work whatever, for whatever reason. He didn't, he didn't really uh, understand why. Uh, I don't know why we as church planners didn't get a pass, but we didn't. And so we, uh, we ended up getting a hotel for a couple of days and got to spend some time with them, uh, even though we didn't, go, didn't get to go on base. And then obviously we're here again today, and uh, we spent some time doing some cool things. This afternoon we went to the Cosmos thing. Has anybody ever been to the Cosmos thing? Let me just give you a piece of advice. Don't go there right after you eat, okay? <laughs> if you've been there, you know why, all right? Because we ate at lunch, we ate, we ate at Culver's, and then we went there, and I thought I was going to throw up the whole time. But we've enjoyed our time here in Rapid City uh, outside of the big windstorm you guys had last night. So we live in the motorhome because, again, we're not allowed on base, so we can't stay with family. But we're in a motorhome, and uh, we woke up about 1.30, as some of you probably did. Uh, but just imagine your home being up on wheels, okay? That means it moves a lot, all right? So that was happening to us for about an hour last night. But we have enjoyed our time with family and uh, here in Rapid City. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you would, look at verse number 9. And we're going to read a few verses here. Verse number 9 says this. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come then that which is in part shall be done away. Verse 10, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Verse 12, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. My first semester at West Coast, I was really challenged by one of the verses that was a theme verse for the class. And that theme verse was 1 Peter 3.15. I'll read it for you here. It says this, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now, the reason that verse challenged me was because when I read that one part that said, be ready to give an answer, be ready always to give an answer. The second part of that, to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you. Let me just challenge you about that for a second. The last six months, with all of us living in a world of uncertainty and doubt, have you remained a person of hope? And we know where the hope comes from. It comes from Jesus Christ. 
But when an unsaved world looks at you as a Christian, and we're all living in a world of uncertainty, have they seen hope in your life? And the second part to that is, if they see that hope in you, and I hope they do, they should see that hope in you, but if they see that hope in you, and they ask you a question about it, are you ready to give them an answer? That's what 1 Peter 3.15 is telling us to do. And I love what Pastor said this morning. He said, we're all missionaries. We're all missionaries. And maybe you work with someone who knows that you're a Christian, and they see the hope that you have that only comes from above, and they ask you about that. Could you tell them where that hope comes from? You don't have to have a Bible college degree. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You can tell them, though, about the hope that you have inside of you. And I believe that if there's ever a time where the Christian people needed to live a life of hope, it is now. And again, that doesn't mean we're going to have all the answers. And we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Again, we read some verses talking about knowing in part and then uh, knowing in full later. But verse 12 says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, it goes on. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. In other words, as a child, there are some things you don't understand and there are some things that you don't know. Then when you become an adult you understand things a little bit better. Verse 13, I'm sorry, verse 12, it says, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. So again, there are some things. Again, when it says be ready to give an answer, I I don't think that means you have to have every single answer because we see in scripture that there are some things that us with finite minds just do not understand. And we see in these verses here that when we meet our Savior one day, we will understand. So they do work together. Again, be ready to give an answer about the hope that is inside of you. Again, it doesn't have to be a long, detailed answer. You just tell them about Jesus and let him do the rest. But at the same time, there are some things that we just don't understand. There's some questions that an unsaved world has. There's some questions that many Christian people would have today. And one of those questions, especially looking at the last six months, is this. Why would a good God allow bad to happen? Why would a good God allow bad to happen? Now, this is just my introduction tonight, but I want to help you with this. Because, again, these are one of those questions that we can give some clarification on. We can offer some help. But there are some questions, again, that we just can't fully understand. And many times that that, that makes us have to rely on him and trust in him. But when it comes to this question, I do think there are some things that we can look at tonight. And if you would, go ahead and flip to Genesis chapter 6. But when it comes to this question of why would a good God allow bad to happen, I first want to address maybe a skeptical group. Maybe there's someone in the room tonight that you say, I've never actually accepted Christ because I just don't know about this whole Bible thing. I don't know about this whole God thing. Maybe you're watching on live stream and you have that same question. I want to address that group first. Let me just say this in response to this question of why would a good God allow bad to happen, if the existence of evil is causing you to doubt the existence of God, listen to this, in order for evil to exist, good must also exist. In order for evil to exist, and I'm not denying that it does because it does, but if evil exists, then good must also exist. If good exists, then something or someone must have created good. In other words, if there is a moral law to follow, and there is, then there must be a moral lawgiver. C.S. Lewis, who was, is a former atheist, put it this way. He said, My argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust 
That sounds pretty familiar today. He said this, but how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. Again, if you're here today or if you're watching live stream and you say, I, I, I hear you talk about this God and I hear you talk about how good he is, but look at our world today and look how bad it is. I don't know if I believe in God because of that. Again, if evil exists and it does, then good must also exist. And if good exists, and we've already determined that it does, then something or someone must have created that good. Now, let me address the believers in the room tonight and on live stream. Let me just say this. We don't know how much evil or bad God has stopped. Whether that's through the conscience that every human has, saved or unsaved, or whether that's through the guiding of the Holy Spirit that every believer has. We will never know, at least on this side of eternity, how much bad has been stopped because of the conscience or because of the Holy Spirit. All we see are the bad things. So keep that in mind. Something else to think about is this. If we want God to stop bad, then why doesn't he stop us? I'm not calling you an evil person tonight. I'm just saying we all make mistakes. And so if we want God to stop bad, then why doesn't he stop us? And I'll tell you in a few minutes why we wouldn't want him to control everything we do. And it has to do with our free will. But lastly, and this kind of ushers us into the message tonight, and that is this. Instead of asking why does bad happen, why do we never ask why does good happen? I know some of you do. Maybe all of you do. But too often, us as human beings, we only focus on the negative things. We only think about the bad things we see around us. Why don't we, sh- why don't we shift our mindset to thinking about the good things that happen in our life? And why don't we ask the question, why does good happen? Sometimes we question where God is. You see it all throughout Scripture. So let me encourage you tonight, if you've ever wondered where God is in your life, you're not the first person to ask that question. Because again, you see that all throughout history. Tonight I'm speaking to two groups as we get into the message. The first group is the group that maybe you're going through a bad place right now. Maybe you're going through some trials in your life. Maybe your family is, 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 is unsaved and they're living an ungodly life. I'm speaking to to those that are in a bad place right now. The second group, I'm speaking to those who are not in a bad place tonight. So in other words, I'm speaking to everybody tonight. Either you're in a bad place or you're not in a bad place. For those of you in a bad place, all I want to do tonight is offer you some encouragement. I want to to help you maybe shift your perspective into thinking and, and focusing on the good things that are happening all around you. If you're in the second group and you say, things are fine for me right now, I'm having no problems, then I want to equip you and challenge you to help the people that are in the first group tonight. And when you think about the world we live in, now I get it, you guys are in South Dakota, all right? It's not quite as bad as it is in California. I understand that. As a matter of fact, South Dakota, this was one of the first places that we went into, pretty much every place we went into, people were not wearing masks, okay? And we weren't required to wear masks, okay? So I know you guys maybe don't have it as bad as California, I'm not just talking about where you, where you live. I'm talking about your personal life, what you're going through, the challenges that you are facing with your family. Maybe you're struggling financially. Maybe you lost your job because of COVID. That's what I'm talking about tonight. But when we look at Genesis chapter six, we see a pretty bad place. As a matter of fact, when you look at the history of mankind, in my opinion, this would be the worst that it has ever gotten. In Genesis 6, whenever God destroys the earth, right? Because we see that Noah and his family seem to be the only family that were living a righteous life, at least attempting to live a righteous life. 
And so tonight, what I want to do is I want to focus your attention on five signs of a good God in a bad place. Five signs of a good God in a bad place. And again, let's look at Noah's world, Noah's day pre-flood, and look at how bad it was, but still see five signs of God's goodness in those days. And then compare that to our world, which is not quite as bad, but still to see those same five things where we see God's goodness tonight. Genesis chapter six, we're first gonna read verses one, two, and four. And it came to pass when men began to multiply in the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. Verse four, there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. Now, if you've ever studied the Bible, maybe you have studied out who the daughters of men and who the sons of God were. Tonight, we're not gonna get into that. We just see that there was a godly line and there was a wicked line, and they were coming together. It was against what God wanted, but they were still coming together. So number one tonight, the first sign of a good God in a bad place is this, allowing them to make their own choices. Allowing them to make their own choices. You see, mankind has always been free to choose. You can look back at the Garden of Eden, the very beginning of mankind, and you can see that they freely chose from the tree. God could have stopped them from taking from that tree, but he gave them a free choice. That extends all the way to us today. I don't know if you've ever had any kind of potluck dinner here. Uh, if, so we've been in several conferences. We just had a conference last week. And uh, we had, uh, I don't know if we actually had any kind of potluck dinner, but we've had many of them. Uh, how many of you, if you went to a potluck dinner and you were looking at everything that was offered, right? And some things look really good, but some things, let's just be honest, look disgusting, right? <laughs> and let's just say, well, you go down the line and you say, I want this and this and this. What if somebody on the other side of that table said, no, no, no you have to have this. And it was the exact thing that you said looked disgusting. <laughs> None of us in the room tonight would like that, Right? Because we all like to have our free choice. We all like to have that free will. You chose to come to church tonight. Even if it was for just a relationship reveal, you still chose to come to church tonight. <laughs> Mankind has always had the freedom to choose. Again, all the way back to Adam and Eve, and it's, it's extended all the way to us today. Will you say, well, why did he give us that free choice? Why didn't he just control us and, 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 and make us do everything that he wanted us to do? I believe that it's because he loved us. I believe he gave us free choice because he loved us and he wants us to choose to love him back. Love is only genuine if it's freely chosen. I feel like I'm pretty hard to love sometimes, but I could, if I could convince Otto, if I could force her to love me, it wouldn't be genuine love. I want that to be her choice. And I believe God gave us free choice because he loves us and he wants us to choose to love him back. And the most important choice you will make in your life is to choose Jesus or to not choose Jesus. And the thing about our choices in life, and especially that one, is we have the freedom to choose, but we don't all have the freedom to choose our consequences. We understand what scripture says. We choose Jesus, eternity with him. We don't, eternity separated from him. And so if you're here tonight or you're watching live stream and you've never made that decision, that is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. The good news to you is it's a free choice for you. 
But remember, we don't have the freedom to choose our consequences. Again, a sign of a good God in a bad place is allowing them to make their own choices. Number two is this, offering a solution to their problem. Look at verse three, if you would. Genesis six, verse three. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Again, if you've studied scripture at all, maybe you have seen that there are two different views of what this means. Some people say that it was a time of repentance before God sent the flood. Some people say that it was just kind of a cap on the life of mankind. Because we see in verse 5 that mankind was growing evil continually. So it was almost like I was saying, I'm going to stop it here so they don't get worse and worse and worse. Whatever perspective you have, the point is, is that God was offering a solution to the problem. God has always been a problem solver. He's always been a problem solver. Let's flip over at Genesis chapter 3, if you would. Genesis chapter 3. Most of us would be familiar with this story. But Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7 tells us this. So they ate of the tree. They disobeyed God. Verse 7 says this. The eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They covered themselves. Look over at verse 21. God came to visit them, and what does he do here? He offers a temporary solution. They try to cover themselves, but in verse 21, we see, And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. There was a temporary solution. But God knew that there was a bigger problem here. It was sin and Satan himself. And so in verse 15, actually, we see a permanent solution for this. Look at verse 15, if you would, Genesis 3, 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is actually a prophetic verse talking about the coming Messiah. Coming and metaphorically crushing Satan. It'll bruise his heel and it'll bruise his head. So you see, God came in, they disobeyed him. He wasn't happy with it. He offered the temporary solution of a covering, but there was a bigger problem that was sin itself and Satan himself. And so he, need, he, knew, he knew that he needed to offer a permanent solution, and he did, by sending his son to come into this earth to defeat Satan once and for all. God has always been a problem solver. Our problems in society today, whether personal or societal, they're because of sin. Many people talk about wanting to change the world, and I think you should want to change the world. But the best way that you can change the world is by telling someone about Jesus. Because again, the problems you see today are because of sin. The solution to that is Jesus Christ. So if you want to change the world, if you want to change your community, if you want to change your workspace, tell someone about Jesus. God has always been a problem solver, and he was here in Genesis chapter 6. Number three is this, watching over them. This is another sign of a good God in a bad place. Look at verse 5, if you would, Genesis chapter 6. It says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I want to focus your attention on the third word there. It says saw. Obviously, God did not like what he saw, but the point is, is that he, he saw. He was watching over his creation. Aren't you thankful that he didn't just abandon us? Aren't you thankful that whenever you were born, your parents didn't take you home from the hospital, put you in the nursery, throw you in a crib, shut the door, never to visit you again, never to feed you, never to take care of you. I know some of you parents who have 
been quarantined with your kids for the last six months, want to shove your kids into a closet, never to see them again. But I'm thankful that when God created us, he had a purpose for us. And he cared about us. And so he watches over us. We make mistakes. We make bad decisions. But he still watches over us. That's a sign of a good God in a bad place. Number four is this. Look at verse six, if you would. It says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Number four, providing only the best for us. Another sign of a good God in a bad place is him providing only the best for us. Now, I've read this verse before, and I've wondered, what does it mean that he repented? We're not going to get into it tonight, but the point is that he was not happy with what had happened. Why? Because you look at Genesis 1, and he created everything good. Many things had turned to bad. And so he was upset with what had happened. Why? Because he wanted to only provide the best for us. That's a good God in a bad place tonight. A good God only wants good. Maybe you call him an OCD or perfectionist, but I'm thankful that he put careful consideration into creating us. I'm thankful that we live on a planet where we can survive. We were created for a purpose. He cares about us, and he only wants the best for us. That's a good God in a bad place. Number five, and this is my final point tonight. An example or a sign of a good God in a bad place is a God who serves justice, a God who serves justice. Look at the first part of this in verse seven. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. You see, justice punishes evil. Justice punishes evil. We live in a world today that is all about tolerance, right? Everybody thinks that everyone around them should tolerate their behaviors, tolerate their ideologies. And at the same time, those same people want others to love them. But you know what? Love and tolerance don't work together. They don't go hand in hand. If you truly love someone, you will not tolerate all of their behaviors. My sister who lives in Georgia, we spent three weeks with them whenever COVID first started. She has three boys, okay? And they are 150 million percent boys, okay? I'm just going to say it, they're little devils, all right? Those boys, if, if, if Carissa and Caleb tolerated everything those boys wanted to do, those boys would be hurt all the time. They'd be getting into all kinds of trouble. Right? Why? Because they want to run out into the street, right, and play. But you know what? Because Carissa and Caleb love them, they don't tolerate all of their decisions. They don't tolerate all of their behaviors. And we see here that justice punishes evil. And I used to think that when my parents would punish me, that it's because they didn't like me, right? Like, I'm really not that bad of a kid, although I really was. But I used to wonder, why am I getting in this much trouble? And many times, it was because they loved me. They saw that I was headed on a path that wasn't going to be good for me. And so their punishment, which was their goodness to me, redirected me onto the path I need to be on. Justice punishes evil, justice rewards good. And we see that in verse eight, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You see, God's goodness is gonna be hard to find in an ungodly life. If you're questioning where God is, if you're questioning where his goodness is, are you living for him? Are you trying to obey him? Are you doing your best to live a righteous life? 
You see a sign of a good God in a bad place as a God who serves justice, as we see in verses 7 and 8. In conclusion tonight, I just want to give you two takeaways. The first is this. Remember that our foresight is not 2020. So we say hindsight is 2020. Hindsight, looking back on something, 2020, it being perfect vision, right? We can look at, from this side of things and say, man, I would have made a different decision had I known the outcome of this. But unfortunately, we don't have that luxury. Foresight is not 2020. Well, we didn't know what was going to happen coming into this year, 2020. If you did, if you did, shame on you for not telling the rest of us. But that's just not a luxury we have. We don't know what good God is trying to bring through our difficult times. Flip over to Genesis chapter 5, and I want to show you a little bit about Enoch tonight. Genesis chapter 5, hopefully you don't have to flip, maybe some of you not even a page over. Verse 21 of, uh, of Genesis chapter 5, it says this, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, I remember as a Sunday school boy, my teacher would tell me uh, sometimes that the reason God took Enoch was because he walked with him. That may be true. But the point of this is that we can look at this story of Enoch, and we can justify why God took him. Looking back on it. But put yourself in the shoes of Enoch's family. As a matter of fact... Seth, who was Adam's son, was Enoch's great-great-great-grandfather. Enos was his great-great-grandfather. Canaan, his great-grandfather. Mahaliel, his grandfather. Jared, his father. Methuselah, his son. And Lamech, his grandson. All of these individuals that I just mentioned, and perhaps many of their family members, were still alive when God took Enoch. Now, do you think that when that happened, all of them just said, oh, it's because he walked with God? Probably not, because if you're like me, sometimes when something bad happens to somebody that we would say is a good person, the first thing we say is, why would God allow something bad to happen to such a good person? But again, that's on this side of things. But again, looking at the life of Enoch, we can say, well, I believe he took him because he was close to him and he walked with him. But just put yourself in their shoes. They probably didn't have the same exact mindset as that. But again, our luxury, we don't have the luxury of having 20-20 vision on this side of things. And then lastly tonight is this, focus on his goodness rather than the bad circumstances. And that's what we left off with the introduction, is instead of focusing on the bad things around us, and I realize they're around us, I get it, but instead of focusing on the bad things around us, let's kind of shift our mindset to focus on the good things that are around us. Do you have the first picture up there? So we live in a motorhome, and uh, again, we're living in the motorhome for the last three days because we're not allowed on base and so uh, we drive everywhere on deputation in the motorhome. And uh, it's a long story how we acquired the motorhome, but we drive it everywhere. Well, we were down in Texas a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were driving on I-10 from San Antonio headed to Alabama for another meeting. Well, we're on I-10, and I don't know if you guys live far away from there, so I don't know if you've ever been there. Uh, but uh, we were driving on I-10, and construction had set up the, the concrete wall right on the white line. Okay, there was no room, there was no room to breathe, nothing. I mean, it was right on the white line. So I was in the, in the right line, right lane, okay, because I'm a motorhome and I go like 55 miles per hour. We rarely pass anybody because we drive so slow. So I'm in the right lane. A big trucker is coming up in the left lane. Well, I'm watching him. He starts to veer over into the right lane. So I can't jerk it right because I'm going to hit the concrete wall. So I kind of tap on the brakes. But before I knew it, the right tail end of his trailer knocked off our mirror, all right? 
So you see it there, the arm is still there, but the mirror is gone, okay? <laughs> and so we, uh, there was a lot of traffic. As you can tell, it was getting kind of dark outside, so we couldn't stop on the highway, so we just got off the next exit. Well, that whole day was just a disaster. It, it would have taken about four hours in the car to make that trip. It took us 11 hours to get to our destination. It was just a miserable day. It really was. So we pulled off. Uh, I went to AutoZone. We didn't have time to wait for the exact part, the exact right mirror, because you have to order it. It's a special part. And so we just went to AutoZone to get something. Uh, if you had that second picture, I'll, tell you, I'll show you what I did. <laughs> All right, yeah. We got to expand that, though. We got to expand that. Yeah, there you go. So... You know what? That's not even the right. I, that, is, that is it, but I also have duct tape around it as well, okay? So just envision duct tape. Now, if, if that's not redneck to you, I don't know what is, all right? But it was the only solution we had at the time. But we're driving, and we're outside of Beaumont, Texas, and we stopped for the night, and we stopped at a Cracker Barrel, us in our redneck mirror, and we did a dry camping. If, you, if, you've, if you've owned an RV, you know what dry camping is. So we dry camped, and we stayed the night, and the next morning I got up, and honestly, I was not very happy. That whole night, I was not very happy because uh, I don't think the trucker even slowed down one bit. I don't, honestly, I don't think he saw it. I don't think he knew what he did, but I was frustrated. I was very, very upset. But the next morning, we were driving through Beaumont, Texas, and as a matter of fact, the Cracker Barrel we stayed at, when we pulled in, we noticed a large dumpster, and the dumpster was filled with all of their tables and chairs. And it's not because they were renovating. It's because the hurricane had just come through and just basically destroyed everything inside their building. The parking lot was still basically half flooded. And uh, the next morning we're driving through and I just see house after house after house, business after business after business, just completely destroyed. Whole trees had fallen on on top of entire houses. Cars flipped over. You know what? It kind of hit me. This message that I preach and I talk about finding the good in the middle of the bad and here I am, and we lost our side mirror, and I'm complaining about everything. And then I'm driving through Beaumont, Texas, and I see people's homes. And this is our home. The motorhome's our home, but we haven't invested as much into our motorhome as these people with their homes have. Businesses destroyed. Livelihoods destroyed. And it kind of hit me. Man, I've preached this message before. I, I talk about finding the good and the bad, right? Seeing a good God in a bad place. And there I am all night just complaining about our side mirror. But you know what? We still had a roof over our heads. We were safe. It could have been a lot worse. We could have scraped up the whole side of the motorhome. But you know what? And I'm there with you. If you're there and sometimes it's just too hard to see the goodness of God because you're going through a tough time, you're going through a trial, just understand that he is there. Because when you look at Noah's day, obviously he was living in a bad place. From what we can tell, he and his family were the only people trying to do right. I don't know what the population was, even if it was only 10,000 people. That's still a high percentage of people who are not living for God. He was living in a bad place. But tonight, we saw five signs of a good God in a bad place. And so again, if you're in group one and you're going through a bad place, maybe you're just going through some kind of difficulty, and the list is endless, whatever that might be, just understand that I'm trying to help you with some encouragement tonight, that there is a good God, and he wants to help you. And he loves you. He cares for you. He watches over you. And if you're in that second group tonight, you say, man, everything's great for me. I have no problems. Well, maybe God can use this message tonight to be an encouragement to somebody in the first group. Because remember, us with finite minds, sometimes we just don't completely understand. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians, right now it's like looking through a dark glass, right? You can't see it very clearly. 
sort of like looking out these windows right here. We, can't, we can kind of see that it's getting dark. I see a street light, but I can't see very clearly. If somebody was standing on the other side of that, I want to be able to see that. Paul is saying that's how our life is right now. There's some things that we just do not understand. But one day when we meet our Savior, we will fully understand. Until then, we just have to trust him. And we have to have a life of hope. And going back to 1 Peter 3.15, being ready to give an answer, again, I don't think we have all the answers. As a matter of fact, I know we don't have all the answers. But we can tell someone about Jesus. And so as you go back to work tomorrow, just think about that. Think about the people that you work with, your neighbors, maybe family members, who are wondering, is there even a God? Because you talk about him being good, but look at the bad things that are happening. Is there even a God? Maybe God can use you to help that person realize that, yes, there is a good God. Sometimes it's hard to see. Sometimes it's like looking through a, a, shaded, a shaded piece of glass. But understand that one day we will fully understand. Until then, we just have to trust him. But even then, with just trusting him, we still can focus our attention on the good things that are happening around us. Because too often we look at the bad things. Let's pray.